Welcome to episode number 54 of the Connected Aircraft Podcast. Today is Friday, March 26th, and on today's podcast, we'll have Ken Monroe. He is the co-founder of ethical hacking company Pentest Partners to talk about cybersecurity vulnerabilities facing connected aircraft systems with a focus on electronic flight bags. I recently had a chance to catch up with Ken, and he was actually featured on our Connected Aviation Intelligence webcast last month. And, uh, you know, we, he had a lot of good information featured in his presentation. So we wanted to do a follow-up interview with him on the podcast here to learn what type of research he's been doing around cybersecurity for in-flight internet systems and with a focus on electronic flight bags, specifically tablets such as iPads or Samsung tablets. He also gave us a little bit of insight about some of his research in the past that he's done with live demonstrations of how Internet of Things connected systems can be hacked and exploited. So let's get into our conversation with Ken Monroe of Pentest Partners. So Ken, for those in our audience who may not have seen your presentation last month at our Connected Aviation Intelligence webcast and may not be familiar with Pentest Partners, can you just give a brief introduction to your job title and role with Pentest Partners as well as some of your day-to-day -day responsibilities there and activities with the organization right now? Yeah, sure. So, so my name is Ken Monroe, and uh, I'm one of the founders and one of the security researchers at Pentest Partners. And unsurprisingly, the clue's in the name. So we're, we're pen testers or ethical hackers, and we spend time with organizations helping, uh, helping them improve their cybersecurity. Now, an area we've been researching for the last three years now is that of uh, aircraft. Uh, so looking at aviation systems, avionics, uh, flight control systems, and in-flight entertainment systems, and of course, electronic flight bags as well. They're of real interest for us, and it's, it's great to be able to learn uh, about the fantastically complex and actually mostly safe and cyber secure systems you find in airplanes. And what are some of the core sort of you know, security consulting and services that uh, Pentest Partners provides? Oh, sure. So uh, we are kind of multi-specialists. So we do very high-end red teaming. So we're accredited by a number of central banks for helping them red team at the very highest level. Uh, but we also do a lot of uh, specialist work in, for example, maritime. So we were asked to hack ships uh, for their owners. We, uh, we work in automotive. So a lot of uh, vehicle manufacturers bring us in to make sure their connected vehicles are super secure. And also we work in aviation as well. Right. And, you know, so before we get specifically into aviation, um, you know, for those of us in our audience who may not be familiar, you are a well-known public speaker. You've given live de demonstrations that show systemic issues that can lead to IoT devices being hacked and exploited. Um, can you just kind of kind of tell us some of your latest demonstrations in this area that you've performed or worked on? <laughs> yeah, so do you know, uh, we got into IoT just over six years ago now. And I, I was blown away uh, to be presented with a, a smart talking kids doll. She was called my friend Kayla, and she was the very first uh, connected dolly to come to market. And the idea was is that you, your child could ask the dolly questions. Uh, it could listen to it. 
It could then process the speech into text and the child could have an interactive conversation with a dolly. And we thought, hey, this is really interesting, but it's just security should be. And uh, we discovered that not only could you use the dolly as a Bluetooth audio spying bug on your child, someone from the street outside could speak to your child through the dolly, which is kind of creepy. But uh, the bit that entertained us the most is we also discovered that this lovely, innocent, talking, sweet kid's dolly, we could make her swear like a docker. So yeah, the, the hacker had to have a go. <laughs> but since then, we've spent a, a lot of time. And if you read our blog, it's full of examples of smart connected devices that perhaps weren't as smart as maybe the manufacturer hoped. So some big things we've done. Some of you might be familiar with um, Lojack, which is uh, a vehicle tracking system. So you get your car back if it's been stolen. And we found the smart version of that, um, that tracking device had a security flaw that meant the, the thief could stop, um, stop the, the theft being uh, reported. But with the good guys, so we, we told Lojack all about it and they fixed it really quickly. And now it's nice and secure. But yeah, we, we work on all sorts of really random, crazy and bizarre devices. That's right. And now, you know, we're still kind of early in 2021. Are there any new areas or you know topics of related to cybersecurity, aviation related, or or other industries that you're particularly focusing on right now? Well, so the, the biggest one for me right now, and I think it applies to all industries, but it also applies to to aviation too, is is the big move, the big shift into the cloud, and the shift uh, as we start to see organizations, yeah, quite rightly, moving to the cloud because it's it's the right thing to do. Uh, it means you don't, you're not so stressed out about your uh, you're keeping your infrastructure safe and secure because the cloud providers do it well, frankly. But where we see things go wrong is typically the APIs that go into the cloud from from devices, whether it's I don't know whether it's an electronic flight back or whether it's a a mobile app for a smart device, or maybe I don't know maybe it's a telematics system in your vehicle. What we often, we're finding increasingly going wrong now is developers are not authorizing the API requests properly. And what we find time after time after time, when we're looking at smart connected devices into, into the cloud, into their APIs, is the requests aren't authorized, which means that somebody else can make the request that only you're supposed to be making. And as a result, we've seen things like account hijacks, tampering with data, all sorts of stuff. So you know, it's not just about me taking one smart dolly and hacking one child's toy. It's about taking all the smart devices and hacking them concurrently. And that's the big game changer for me. It's not just one, it's all the things at once. Well, that certainly is a game changer. And you know, that's exactly the type of insight we, we wanted to catch up with you on, especially within the aviation industry. Now, some of your latest research has focused around electronic flight bags. I, I recently took a look at the blog post entitled EFB Tampering Introduction and Class Differences on the Pentest uh, blog on your website. Uh, can you just first give us a brief explanation again for our audience is, is kind of wide ranging around different segments of aviation. What exactly is an electronic flight bag uh, and why did you decide to focus this within your you know research right now? Oh, for sure. So for starters, I'm a pilot. 
but I'm, I'm a light aircraft pilot. Uh, but we also have a number of qualified pilots on the team. We have a, a 747 pilot on here on our team as well. So that gives us not only you know, the technical overview of these devices, but also how they get used in the real world. And that's what interested us the most. An electronic flight bag is an amazing piece of equipment. It's probably familiar to many of us. So portable electronic flight bags tend to be based on iPads or, or tablets. And other options, they, they can be installed. So they're physically installed into the cockpit. So, but probably the most interesting function of us for an EFB is going to be something as, uh, something as straightforward as engine performance calculations. So as I'm sure, as, as many of your listeners will know, uh, perf calcs are carried out in order to minimize engine wear. So if you have sufficient runway, then you don't need to use full thrust, which means you can use reduced thrust and therefore reduce your engine wear, reduce your fuel, fuel burn, become more environmentally aware and also save money too. So um, one of the key functions of an electronic flight bag is to calculate uh, engine performance. And that's a really interesting area for us because uh, us, you know, the, the ethical hacker and the researcher is thinking, well, what if the EFB wasn't as cyber secure as it was supposed to be? And what if someone could inject or tamper with the data and cause the pilot to make an incorrect calculation? Now, we see several times a year, we see pilots accidentally make the wrong calculation. Maybe they inputted the wrong runway intersection. Maybe they transposed the temperature data. So the flex temps were, were miskeyed. And what happens then is you, know, you head off down the runway. The airplane doesn't accelerate as you're intending to. You try to rotate doesn't lift off, you maybe risk a tail strike. So uh, given that happens accidentally from time to time, it really interested us what would happen if it could be made to happen intentionally to confuse the crew or give them wrong data. Now, hey, don't get me wrong. Pilots are incredibly well-trained and they know and they'll recognize that the, the airplane isn't performing as expected and typically if I apply full thrust and hey, you know, we see numerous cases where the airplane takes off just a little bit later than it was supposed to. But sadly, there have been cases where performance calculations were done incorrectly, often due to tiredness. And I think there has been one hull loss where an airplane ran off the end of the runway and very sadly, the crew were killed. Interesting. And now, you know, one of the things that, that really struck me and, and always kind of strikes me with the use of electronic flight bags, especially in the wireless case, the use of tablets that aren't necessarily installed into the aircraft, you know, hardwired uh, integrated avionic systems, but it is used possibly in connection with the connectivity on the aircraft. Could, could we just focus on that area first? Is that just the use overall of in-flight internet by pilots? Is that just an, you know, something that opens you to some sort of risk within itself? It shouldn't do. And what we should be doing is applying all the knowledge we have from our ground-based uh, cybersecurity of systems and making sure that we apply those to our electronic flight bags too. And by and large, you know, the majority of portable electronic flight bags, if you connect them to uh, you know, what you might call a dirty network, so what? The apps are written to only communicate securely. The Wi-Fi connections are written correctly so they can't be easily exploited. But if you don't configure your EFB securely and you don't teach your pilots how to use it safely, there is an increased risk. And don't get me wrong, 
by far the majority of operators have really good operating procedures and teach their uh, their pilots how to do um, how to use their AFB safely and securely. But not all, and I think that's that's where I I have concerns. Is some cases, and we've seen this, it's not all operators have quite the same approach to cybersecurity as most do. So now, follow up question on that, and this is something that um, you know, I, I, if you're you know familiar with our Global Connected Aircraft Summit, that we've always talked about on the cybersecurity panels for uh, commercial airlines and the use of EFBs, you know, connected EFBs by pilots. What about the use of in-flight internet, you know, actually in-flight and the potential for pilots to use the same network that passengers use for, you know, just surfing the web or, or trying to stream movies in the, in the cabin, for instance. Is that also something that, you know, needs to be addressed just from the service provider or the, or the airline, you know, them, themselves when, you know, using these connected EFPs? So, so the answer is that it, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter whether the pilot connects it to the intended crew Wi-Fi network or the, the passenger network. It shouldn't make any difference. But sometimes if that electronic flight bag isn't locked down properly, if it isn't configured correctly, if it doesn't have a good mobile device management platform on there, and perhaps the pilot's operating procedures aren't as, as cybersecure as they should be, then sometimes it can matter. And I'd say strongly, it's really about your, your, your lockdown of the FB and how the AFB is used. How do you teach your pilots to use it safely? Do they have a simple four-digit pin that's their date of birth, for example? That's, that's not a great idea, is it? Is it kept up to date? so that all the security patches are applied quickly and frequently? Or actually, is it kind of a, a flight bat, a, sorry, electronic flight bat that's just left out there to just slowly get less and less secure over time as updates and patches aren't applied? Interesting. And so, but what about, you know, you, you talked about earlier about the um, performance calculations. Are there specific differences between connected and non-connected vulnerabilities that these EFBs could be at risk to, and even um, the installed EFBs as well, are, are those also at some type of you know vulnerability as well? well it's, it, it's all about the attack surface, and a great example. So if you think about the difference between a portable and an installed EFB. So if I, as a security, security researcher, or if an unethical hacker is trying to compromise and install the FE, first of all, they've got to be in the cockpit. And that is a huge hurdle to get to. If you have you know, security, physical security issues that would allow someone unauthorized to get to your cockpit, I, I think the AFB is the last thing you need to worry about. That said, if someone, uh, an unethical hacker can learn about your installed EFBs, and has physical unsupervised local access to that EFB, then, then I have concerns. And there's potential that maybe if USB ports are left open, if maybe compact flash or SD card ports are left open, not just stick it over saying, don't use this port, then there's potential. But just, just remember, always remember that there's huge physical security barriers to getting that level of access on an installed DFB. So I have much less concern about an installed electronic flight bag than I do one that's portable and is carried around the world to hotels, to coffee shops, to homes, like a portable EFB is by a pilot. 
And, you know, there, there was also an interesting example that you highlight in the most recent blog about the Airbus A350 and its onboard information system. Uh, you know, and that, that is an aircraft that we definitely covered a couple of times over the years in, in the publication as well as this podcast. Um, what did you, you know, what, what did your kind of research around that system specifically and the way that that aircraft uses EFBs find? Well, that's, that's a great question. So it, it raises a broader challenge. So getting access to an airframe as an independent researcher is incredibly difficult. Um, the kind of the one like, tiny upside of the coronavirus for security researchers, I suppose, in the face of all this horror of the virus is that airframes are being retired at a faster rate. And that means that the, the breakers yards are overwhelmed. They have a backlog of airplanes, which has made given opportunity for researchers to start to visit aircraft and start to understand how, how they work, how the systems operate. Unfortunately, and, and uh, it, you'll find that modern aircraft simply aren't being retired because you know, why would you retire an A350 right now? You just wouldn't, which means that researchers like us just don't have access. Uh, and so if anyone, any operator out there feels like they'd like, uh, like to offer one of the airplanes to uh, independent researchers to come and have a look, we'd be super grateful, but not, not particularly expecting right. of that. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and, you know, in some of these other examples that you do highlight in the, in the blog include the Airbus A321 that had a flex temp of 79 degrees and keyed instead of uh, 49 degrees Celsius. So, so those are the types of just, um, you know, that we were, you were talking about earlier, those kind of miscalculated or bad data examples that, that can happen. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really common. And I, I totally sympathize with, with pilots um, working on a busy schedule. I, I've done it myself as a light aircraft pilot, being distracted and miskeyed uh, a system. So I can totally see how that happens. Um, you know, even with good standard operating procedures and cross-checks, it's always possible to make an error. Well-trained pilots notice that, and in neither of the instances that we quoted was there a significant problem. It simply involved an application of full thrust, and the plane took off and rotated just a little later down the runway than expected. That said, mistakes happen. Our interest is to see is whether similar sort of mistakes could be created through the result of tampering with data, or interfering with the FB itself. And so when you look at the way that commercial airlines are operating in-flight you know, uh, internet connectivity services and applications for passengers, pilots, and maintenance technicians on board today, just kind of the, the general way that the in-flight internet is operated in those three different domains that sometimes will cross over, like we said earlier, but are there just some general steps that airlines can take to enhance their you know, cyber resiliency of these systems? Just kind of some basic uh, security steps they can take? Absolutely. So I, mean, I think you'll find that many airlines, manufacturers, go to great lengths to ensure really good, robust segregation between the control domains and anything passenger related, which is absolutely right. Uh, that said, there are concerns around, around the security of the, the passenger networks. So is there good segregation between the passenger connectivity and the IFE, for example? So whilst the consequence of compromising an IFE is 
it's not desperately significant other than perhaps spooking the passengers out with a weird message on the IFE. Does it matter that much? Not really. But the consequences of compromise between the domains is a great deal more serious. And that's why so much time and effort is spent by manufacturers ensuring that there are no paths between that could be exploited. Well, Ken, I think we definitely learned a lot about, uh, you know, the kind of status of electronic flight bags connected and non-connected today and, you know, some of the research that Pentest is working on. So maybe for the rest of 2021, are there any, you know, interesting projects or, or you know, interesting research initiatives you'll be focused around? Oh, for sure. So, um, again, airframes are continuing to be retired. So we'll, we'll be back at Breakers Yards, uh, learning more about airframe systems, uh, learning more about the connectivity that's found between the passenger, system, passenger uh, domains, learning more about the uh, segregation between the control domains. We'll also be spending time working on understanding, interpreting the various protocols that are used for flight controls and uh, the various other systems we've been looking at. In the past, we found vulnerabilities in the satellite terminals on ships, and there are a lot of commonalities between the terminals you find on a ship and that on a plane, but they're much harder to interface with because of the unusual protocols and unusual networks that you find on board an airplane. So we've got a lot to learn, but uh, you know, whilst access is available to retired airframes, that's a great place to learn and share good practice and our learnings with the industry. That's right. So, well, there it is. Ken Monroe of Penn Test Partners. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. I'm sure we'll be looking to catch up with you in the uh, near future. Thank you so much. So that brings us to the end of this episode. As always, please subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. <laughs>